I had to shift my way of working. I couldn't just sit alone at a desk and, you know, write out calculations. I didn't know enough. And I had to learn how to ask questions and say when I don't know. And that's part of, I think, being a good engineer is being able to say, I don't know, and ask for help. This is Life at BP. Conversations with inspiring people with inspiring stories. Conversation about their life at BP and beyond. I'm Pratibara Kisami, your host for the Life at BP podcast. And in this episode, I had the pleasure of talking to Caitlin Dolan and Eric Danny. Caitlin and Eric are chemical engineers that joined BP's graduate program three and a half years apart as process engineers within our refineries. They are both involved in exciting low carbon projects. Eric and Caitlin are naturally reflective and have huge passion for playing their part in creating a net zero world. During our conversation, they reflect on their time as young graduates starting out in the refinery environment and provide some practical tips for how to leverage all the expertise, resources and knowledge available to shape a career that one is deeply passionate about. I started off by asking what led them to pursue a career in the energy industry. Energy has kind of always interested me just in the sense that it's so expansive and, you know, we're all impacted by energy in every facet of our life whether that's just living at home and the electricity that, you know, powers all of your appliances and your lighting uh, to the, you know, the fuels that transport you from A to B. And the other thing is chemical engineering, just the core principles of of that um, curriculum. You need to use all of those uh, in the energy industry when you talk refining or oil and gas production. So um, it seemed to be a good fit, I guess, in that regard. Yeah, for me, I think chemical engineering taught me how to think um, and I liked how I was able to think um, in the energy industry. Like Eric said, I took a co-op really early on in my college career, and that definitely helped direct me towards the energy industry. But ultimately, for me, I stuck with it because I really liked the idea of working on something every day that society needs and that my work can confront challenges of pretty significant social importance. It's really easy to put on the blinders and get really into the narrow technical scope of my work, but I can always take a step back and think like, Hey, people need my work every day. And I do a lot of good stuff, both for BP and the surrounding community. And what made you choose BP specifically to start your careers? Yeah, for me coming into a co-op, which is essentially while you're still in school, BP hires you in, as an intern during the school year in a development program. So you get opportunities that a real full-time employee might also have and you work on useful projects for the business, but then you leave after six months um, and go back and it can be rotational. You can do just one. I did a co-op and it didn't quite fit in with my school schedule. So I switched to being a summer intern and I started off as a second semester sophomore at BP. I knew nothing um, and the environment was welcoming enough and flexible and fast paced enough that people were willing to help me learn. And I think that really stuck with me that I came in and I was honestly hired in as someone who knew Excel and was probably otherwise pretty useless. I, had, I hadn't taken many of the core classes that make you a good engineer yet. I just liked to think and liked to problem solve. And people came in and helped me do that and let me have an impact 
And as I went through my college career and looked at other opportunities and coming into the full-time sphere and also looking at other opportunities, BP just stood out as this place that really helped me grow technically. I knew I wanted to work somewhere with room for technical growth. And that, like Eric said, BP is kind of the mecca of chemical engineering opportunities. There's so much you can do. So I was fortunate enough to get a few co-ops with BP. My very first co-op was with a a different company, a pulp and paper company. But having the opportunity, you know, with with BP and then kind of getting a few co-ops under my belt and really getting to see the organization, the opportunities for a chemical engineer, like there's you know, being in an energy company, there's really no better uh, place to be. There's just so much opportunity. So that was a big facet of it. But as well, um, just the culture at BP is just fantastic, both just in general, like the people that you work with and how nice everyone is and easy to work with. But also kind of, you know, my first experiences of working in a refinery um, and coming from, you know, this this pulp and paper co-op that I, you know, just did one semester at, you know, they had like a safety meeting here or there and there was, you know, some concern, but at the refinery and seeing how important safety was to everyone and how much focus they put on it. It's a great place to work for that regard because people are, they really care about you um, just in your day to day, but also your well-being and, and your health and your safety. So I think that was a, a big reason in addition to the the potential career opportunities. You know, BP is um, really keen on developing co-ops and having a strong program. It's essentially an extended interview and really a chance for BP to get to know you as well as you to get to know BP. And you want it to be a good fit both ways. And they can have a lot of confidence going into full-time hires, knowing that they can basically hit the ground running um, with you know uh, all the experience, all those fundamental skills they've already gained through the co-op program. And now they can be really core contributors once they start full-time. And during that extended interview process, can you think of anything that may have made you two stand out? What may have contributed to you guys being successful in getting a full-time graduate role within BP? I don't think that I can take all the credits. I had really good multidisciplinary mentors, both within BP and in college. Um, And talking to people that have experience in the field or know a little bit about more where you think you want to go really makes a difference in finding your way to a great full-time role like both Eric and I did. I also think that BP really focuses on more than just your technical skill. And to stand out, you have to be genuine, you have to be curious and, and enthusiastic and let your personality shine through. It's not just you're an engineering machine that's good at calculations. You have to be able to fit with the team and work well with the team. Yeah, I, th- I think that's so true. The soft skills are so important. I mean, you need to have the technical skills. And I think, you know, um, that's where your your engineering curriculum comes in and all the hard work you're putting in at school, you know, kind of builds that, that work ethic. So you obviously need to have that to be successful and deliver your projects and that kind of thing. But the soft skills are so important and to have that integration with the team. And as Caitlin mentioned, there's so many great people within the organization that are willing to help. And going from co-op to full-time and then becoming like a co-op mentor myself was just, it's so cool to see that full circle and then, you know, help out that next generation. So yeah, I I would say those are a few few things that are, are really important. Yeah. 
So let's talk about your current roles because they are super exciting, especially with where BP is at now and where we are going as a as a business. Sure. My current role is as a process engineer at Cherry Point. Put very simply, I take what the refinery does and it's broken up into segments that each sort of have a function. We would call those units. And I would be responsible for the optimization and meeting the business economic targets of that unit. So I might take how much gasoline we want to make in a day and what specifications for sale we need that gasoline to meet and help our operators get the unit there, both on longer term and shorter term projects. I function as a support engineer um, overall, so I kind of bounce between a bunch of different units that can be really fun and has allowed me to gain a lot of technical breadth in a short period of time. Probably my most interesting projects so far have been surrounding Cherry Point's number three diesel unit, which co-processes beef fat along with typical mineral oil feedstocks from crude oil to make diesel. That's really non-differentiable from other diesel. We just sell it for renewable credits in California and Oregon. It's been really fun to touch that co-processing sphere of work and get excited about BP's new ambition and watch that project grow. Super exciting stuff. And is that a very, very new way of doing this in the new market? To new, new to BP. BP. Yep. And Eric? Yep. So I am a chemical engineer in BP's innovation and engineering organization. So currently uh, I'm focusing on the development and deployment of low carbon energies, specifically CCUS, which is carbon capture use and storage as well as uh, hydrogen. And there's a few ways um, that hydrogen can be produced. We, we like to call them uh, different colors. So blue hydrogen, which is basically hydrogen production with CCUS, as well as green hydrogen, which is electrolysis, the splitting of water, but using renewable power to make that happen. So both in the effort to um, decarbonize our emissions and the emissions of others. This one's probably more relevant for you, Eric as you have a few roles under your belt. How much influence did you have in shaping your next move within BP? And can you reflect on how some of these decisions may have potentially contributed to your current role in the low carbon space? Yeah, you certainly have the ability to shape that and kind of provide your input as to what you want to do, which is you know really great that, that BP does that and has a focus on career development. At the same time, sometimes you end up in roles that you didn't initially think you wanted to or had plans for. So like when I first started, I got hired on um, as a process engineer. You know, they they take me on the first day and they start walking me towards the HSSC building. And I had been at the refinery before for co-ops. Um, and I was like, why are we heading this way? You know, I'm, I'm a process engineer. And uh, they're like, oh, you're going to go work in the environmental department for, you know, your first rotation kind of through the Challenger program. And I, I had not understood that at the time of starting. But in retrospect, I mean, that role was invaluable to me to understand the, you know, the importance of, of our environmental emissions from our refinery and uh, kind of spanning across the entire plant. And then using those skills to move into my process engineering role um, really helped me understand a different side of things that, that other engineers didn't have. And then moving 
onto that. So having both an environmental background, in addition to this process engineering background, both of those skills kind of perfectly wrote up my resume for the job that I'm doing today, which is a focus on essentially environmental engineering. So it has the focus on the CO2 emissions in addition to all of the process engineering expertise that you need to deploy these technologies. So it's kind of funny in retrospect, looking at the path, you know, you wonder why you're in a certain position or you get a certain opportunity, but you know, in the end, at least in my case, it seemed to work out. So, so let's talk a little bit about BP's future. Obviously, we all saw the announcement in February when Bernard was uh, brought in as the new CEO, and we have a new ambition of achieving net zero by 2050. And what you guys are doing in your areas are absolutely vital in helping us reach that. How was that for you guys? How did you receive it? How did the team react to BP's new direction? So I actually just uh, moved into my role back in January. So I I was a process engineer just like Caitlin before that in uh, Toledo, Ohio, uh, but moved down here to Houston uh, to focus more on decarbonizing our our assets and and looking uh, to focus on CCUS and hydrogen um, and and kind of the future of of energy. Um, And then, you know, a a month later in February, BP comes out with this massive announcement that we're going to become net zero by 2050. We have all of these aims to get there. It's like, wow, you know, like (laughs) perfectly aligned with with the pivot that I made. So uh, it turned out really well um, in that regard. But yes, yeah, so. I have uh, visions of you doing massive fist bumps for for some reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's that's basically how it went. So our our entire group was very excited. You know, it's perfectly aligned with with the work that we do day in and day out, and I think it's where you know the company needs to go. But yeah, we're certainly quite excited. It's a tremendous challenge ahead of us. When you look at the scale of the matter, you know, we're trying to become a net zero company by 2050, which means completely decarbonizing not just all of the CO2 from uh, our operated assets, so scope one and scope two emissions, but in addition, scope three emissions, which is all of the oil and gas production that we have, which you know ends up to, to turn into the products that we sell, like the, the gas and diesel and aviation fuel. And you look at the scale of that is, is just massive. I mean, uh, our scope one and two emissions are around 55 million tons per year, and our oil and gas production is around, I believe, 360 million tons a year. So when, <laughs> I used to report um, greenhouse gas emissions from Toledo Refinery, and that refining asset was, I think, is 1.4 million metric tons of, of CO2. Um, so when you talk about 415 million total, uh, you know, over the next 30 years, it's just it's a massive scale. It's it's quite daunting, but at the same time, very exciting to be on the cutting edge of that. I was definitely in a similar boat to Eric. I had started to touch this renewable diesel space before we came out with our new ambition. And I think Cherry Point as a site takes a lot of pride in our co-processing ability and being able to be on the cutting edge of that. So when the new ambition came out, overall, our team was just really, really excited And it's fun to honestly just sit in the hallway with a bunch of engineers and bounce ideas off of each other. When you get this big ambition come through, I think everybody starts to brainstorm a little 
and everybody's pretty excited and not necessarily that our spitballed ideas are going to, you know, be the reason that, or something that makes it all the way into production or operation. But it's really cool to think of how much room the company has and even production sites have to grow up with our new ambition. It It's less siloed. I personally can look at roles, not only throughout our production and operations, but also roles like Eric's doing in other business segments. And I could pivot so much more than I could before. And that's really, really exciting. Ultimately, it's challenging. You know, the, it's if you think of what Cherry Point does, it's in the hundreds of thousands of tons of CO2 per year that are reduced by that tallow co-processing ability. So thinking of millions, there's a lot of work to be done. And I think a lot of us are excited to do it. Yeah, it's it's a really exciting time for for us as young engineers with with a company going through this this you know unprecedented reorganization. Um, and there's you know we're really trying to be a more flat organization and and less top down and and working uh, with more agility. And, and so yeah, there's going to be a lot of great opportunity to to move around and you know kind of figure out where you sit best in the organization and what roles you want to try out and. Yeah, it's it's a really exciting time to to be up and coming, and you know if if you have a a passion for the energy transition, I mean, you know this is this is the time and the place to be. And you know this is coming on to this idea of we've got a b- massive challenge ahead of us, and at this point in time, nobody's got a blueprint as to how we're going to do it. It's almost like we need to keep learning and we need to keep iterating, right? How do you manage to stay on top of that innovation? What do you do to make sure that you're constantly keeping up with the latest and learning from everything that's going on? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's certainly very challenging, but at the same time, it's quite exciting. And so working on CCUS, for example, you know, there's only a handful of deployments across the world at the moment at scale. And so our team is looking at, you know, the the technology development at at lower technology readiness levels and things that are, you know, currently in the lab or at a pilot scale. And we're trying to determine, hey, is that going to be up and coming and turn, you know, turn to a, a commercial level deployment? You know, same thing with hydrogen. A lot of people are talking about how big hydrogen will be for, you know, the, our low carbon energy system and the fact of the matter is at the moment it's it still hasn't reached near the deployment that it needs to so yeah it it, it is um a bit difficult in that regard i think you have to have somewhat of an infinite mindset and and understand that the world is going to be changing um and we're going to be pivoting into this position i think having a ceo that is very much in line and understanding of of what needs to happen and i mean the changes that have happened in our company over this past year with reinventing BP and reimagining energy. It's just, it's tremendous. It's, it's a huge amount of change. And to have him there as kind of a fearless leader that's trailblazing this effort is, you know, very helpful to help us see through that path. Caitlin, you've been in a full-time job for the last, is it a year and a half now? Year and a half. Year and a half. So you've kind of had to move from the education into working in a refinery. 
What was that like? How would you describe the culture within a refinery and what did you have to quickly adapt to? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I think in school, you're really, or at least I, was really, really focused on getting it right. And that shifts a little bit when you move towards the front line. Not that you can be wrong all the time, but that you're never going to be perfect and you have to be not only humble enough to accept that you're wrong, but also pivot and make those changes to ensure that the process stays safe and reliable and keeps operating efficiently. For me, moving from school into a refinery field-based role was just really exciting because all of a sudden there were these processes there that I could see and understand and walk down and touch. It's not so much the black box that you model or draw on a problem set. It's really exciting to see big industrial equipment working together at scale and to understand how much energy and how complex these systems are that we rely on. Being able to go on site today definitely keeps me sane. During the COVID pandemic, it's really, really fun to be able to go in and chat with operators and answer questions and chase down my curiosities when I saw something in an email that I couldn't quite put a finger on. For me, I think that transition from college to a full-time role, particularly a field-based role, was a critical one in that I had to shift my way of working. I couldn't just sit alone at a desk and you know write out calculations. I didn't know enough, and I had to learn how to ask questions and say when I don't know. And that's part of, I think, being a good engineer is being able to say, I don't know and ask for help. So does field-based or specifically refinery-based roles suit a specific type of person? I think it can suit a lot of people. You don't necessarily have to be one type of person to fit into a refinery-based role, but you have to be flexible. You have to have some courage to be able to stand up and say, hey, I think this is wrong or I have this idea. It also takes a person that's kind of quick thinking on their feet. Um, an engineer who likes problem solving, but is okay at not only detail-oriented work, but also answering questions a little more on the fly. It's definitely a fast-paced job. The work is different every single day. Some days you can sit in front of your computer and do detailed modeling, and some days you're at the control board troubleshooting an issue. And some days you're climbing inside a reactor or loading it with catalysts. So it's a person that's flexible is probably the number one attribute that you need, you got to be able to adapt. I think that's all spot on. Being flexible is, is a key point. You never know what today's going to bring you. Sometimes, you know, if things are running just fine and you think you're going to have an easy day and, <laughs> and then something <laughs> happens and, you know, it's off to the races. So definitely being, being a bit agile in that regard. I mean, I, I really loved being a process engineer at the refinery because you get a good mix of working out in the field, but as well as desk work, you can get into the deep technical work like, you know, doing, I don't know, rigorous hydraulic calcs or um, process modeling. But then at the same time, you know, if uh, if you want to, you can go out and, and chat with the operators and understand what they're seeing and getting their perspective of how the unit is operating from the way that they see it. So it's it's a really fun role in that regard that you, you get a lot of different points of view um, in a lot of different ways to attack the role. And and different people do their jobs different ways and are equally successful. So that's kind of the, the other um, cool thing about it is there's a few different ways to spin it to uh, 
to be successful at your job? It's talking about courage. I think it's important because in a refinery, and this is the same when we talk to people on rigs, courage is important because it, it really impacts the safety element right, of, of, of our people in there. As a graduate, how easy it is to find the confidence and the courage to speak up because you're probably the youngest and least experienced person when you first join in a team. How do you find that courage? It can be definitely really challenging. I remember coming to a refining site for the first time, both as a co-op, which you need that courage then too, you deserve it. And as a full-time employee, a lot of the ability to have that courage comes from BP's culture as a place that values safety and operations above everything else. We have amongst all the refining sites that I visited, a pretty incredible speak up culture where I could walk up to anybody and say, hey, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And it doesn't come from a place of doubt. It truly comes from a place of curiosity. And I think that has built a foundation of I'm not here to blame you. I'm not here to point fingers. I'm here to ask and figure out if this is the safest way we could be doing something. And if it's not, let's work on a way to make that better. So it doesn't take a huge amount of courage because you're not walking up to somebody and saying, you're wrong. You're walking up and saying, I'm trying to understand. So the first question is always tough, but the later ones definitely get easier. Yeah, I think having that culture is, is huge. I mean, courage is one of our five values as a company, right? And it's, it's that important. And being that safety is such a priority, ha- having that culture is, uh, is so important. But you do get in some scenarios where, <laughs> you know, because you're all trying to work together as an integrated team. And like as a process engineer, for example, you know, you kind of hold the pen on, on unit health monitoring and making sure your asset is within its safe limits, which, you know, is a very important job because if you start running outside of those, you can certainly start running into trouble and have some some big problems. You know, I, I've been in a few cases in my role as, as a process engineer where you kind of do have to push operations or commercial, right? Because they, they can be conflicting things. If, if the commercial team wants to push the unit throughput to, you know, help with, you know, kind of the, the bottom line and produce more product, let's say, but the unit engineer comes in and says, hey, well, we're running up against this temperature or this pressure limit. We can only go so far and, and having the courage to go forth and do that. And, and it certainly can be difficult as, as a young engineer to have that courage to stand up to people that have been in the organization for decades, let's say. I think as, as an engineer, I usually find more courage through just better understanding. So if I'm better prepared for something, I feel more confident going into a conversation and that helps provide me with courage. That's typically one way that I go about doing it. Yeah, I think we're a very data-driven organization because the problems that we deal with are very complex. And so we're, we're very um, keen to, to learn the data. And as an engineer, you know, that's, <laughs> we all love data, right? So um, ha- having those facts in our back pocket is, is very important for us to solve the problems that we're going to and, and, you know, at the end of the day, ensure that everyone's safe. What can people at the start of their career do to make the most 
of the experience in the graduate program. Eric probably has some really good hindsight, so I'll be curious to hear what he has to say. But I think probably the most important thing that I've realized that I can do and any graduate can do is you have to advocate for yourself. If you want to learn something, ask your line manager and be curious. The best advice I ever received was be a sponge. That's exactly what I was going to say. That was, you stole my piece of advice. We might've got the exact same advice. <laughs> probably got the same advice. Yep. But you have to come towards the role and towards the graduate role from a place of curiosity and enthusiasm for your work. That's really important to want to learn about what you're doing and not just get something done, but figure out why you're doing it. I can absolutely check a bunch of boxes and graduate the program, but it's a lot more fun to ask my line manager for a project in an area that I'm interested in. And she's really receptive to that. It's been incredible to have those opportunities opened up for me just because I was able to advocate for the roles I wanted. That's why I was able to work on the number three diesel project because she knew I wanted to work in the low carbon space. Great advice. Eric? Now that Caitlin said be a sponge, I'm trying to rack my brain. But yeah, I mean, it's it's all about just having an open mind, keeping your ear open, asking the questions. There's so much to learn. Like, you know, I worked at the refinery full time for just about five years. Every day you learn something new. It never stops. And Pivoting to my new role, which is more of a, a central role, I'm getting exposure across the entire organization of BP, which is tens of thousands of people. And, you know, my world just opened up, you know, tenfold kind of thing. It's amazing how much information is out there, how much our company does. Um, and just, you know, going into work every day with, with the curiosity, having that open mind, asking the questions. I mean, the sky's the limit, you know. At the same time, you know, just connecting with people. I think initially in, in my career, you know, I'm a bit introverted by nature. So I, you know, I wanted to put my head down and do my engineering work and that kind of stuff. But I think it's really important to, to make those connections with your colleagues and, and network a bit because those relationships become very powerful as you move forward and uh, with problem solving. And I mean, you, you have an issue on a unit, for example, and there's, you know, five different organizations within the refinery that are all working to solve this issue. And you, you need to work together functionally. Um, and having the proper connections and relationships are extremely important to come to a good solution. And what have you guys learned about yourself during your time? Has anything surprised you? About myself, I think I learned that doing a good job at work involves a lot of flexing, a lot of pivoting from whatever is natural to me, whether it's, you know, I, I'm a people person. I love to talk to people, but I'm also a, a facts person. And sometimes people don't want the technical details at all. They want it put in simple terms, really clear instructions, and being able to flex between the different facets of your personality to communicate with people that have a different knowledge base than you was a pretty critical skill to develop early on. On the other hand, it's really exciting to see Eric, who's several years ahead of me into his career, say, you know, you can do anything because it's really easy coming into kind of the legacy VP structure and watching the new organization come through. Yeah, I guess I'm a bit surprised or amazed just w with my new role of, I guess, one, the opportunities that, you know, the places you can go in this organization and then just, you know, 
what you can actually do with your career. I mean, in this new role, you know, at, at a refinery, it was very much focused on the operated asset, make sure the refinery is is running at, at full capacity and that your unit's safe, which is all very important for making sure the, the refinery is up and running. But that being said, there's a, a lot else out there in the organization. And like in my new role, you know, I'm not just doing technology development. I'm working with project organizations for developing projects. I'm helping our business developers with conversations with different companies and providing that technical expertise for those conversations. And then, you know, just interacting with people in in all different sorts of organizations internally within the company, advocating for, you know, low carbon energy, for the policy, that kind of thing. So it's it's amazing to me how much opportunity there is and how much you can do with your career if you put your mind to it. And I think it's really important to find a role that best suits you because at the end of the day, if you're in that role that that you really enjoy doing day in and day out and waking up and having a, a passion for that, you know, there's there's really no stopping you. It's it's a game changer. Right. So on that note, we'll end this podcast but thank you so much that was really really great great chatting with you both yeah it was a great conversation thank you you very much yeah